This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge against a fiancé that left someone due to a cancer diagnosis. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, cheating student thought he had me fooled, fell right into my trap. So, I'm a cancer researcher and a guest professor at a university's school of medicine, teaching my specialty, imaging. Besides the usual acquisitions of medical images using MRI, CT, etc., imaging has a lot to do with image processing. Some days I'm just a glorified programmer slash IT guy. And as anyone who's ever programmed anything will tell you, coding is a very personal activity. With enough experience, you can tell who wrote what just by looking at the lines. I'm also in my late 20s and I'm not native to this country and it's my first year as guest professor, so some students look at me as this inexperienced, gullible, foreign guy. As part of my module's grading, the students have to submit two reports that weigh 10% each of their final grade. These reports are about image processing and they have to code a fair bit. As usual, there are students that make an effort. Some do minimal work and then some cheat or copy. As I was grading the reports, I noticed a small group of students who found reports from previous years online and literally copy and pasted those reports, changing only their name. It was a facepalm moment because those reports weren't even good and had a lot of errors. You see, in order to establish a baseline for my grading, I browsed previous years reports, so I knew what to expect from the students of this module. Naturally, I graded them all with zero and kept working my way through grading the reports I had left. Meanwhile, the students casually asked me in the halls how the reports were. Of course, I can't comment on that until I release the grades. One time, this dude who had copied from another report, a 98% match on plagiarism checker, asks me when I'll release the grades and comes up with this story that he worked really hard on his reports that his exam hasn't gone so well and that he's hoping that the grade on his reports are enough to get a pass. I mean, submitting another person's work as your own is very wrong, but it was an online submission and impersonal. Right now, he was just lying through his teeth and my face. I could feel my blood boiling, but I didn't lose my composure and decided to come up with a plan. I knew that my exam was the last exam of the semester and that after that, the students usually go home or on family vacations while they wait for their grades to be posted online. So I graded the exams and input their grades into my Excel with their report grades. Four students had zero due to cheating on their reports, and if I graded the reports with 50% of the max grade, they would barely fail the module, but they would fail nonetheless. So it was on. In order to be fair, I bumped everyone else's grades, a bunch of people with miserable reports ended up barely passing because of my grade bump. But even though their reports were bad, it was their own work and not copied from anywhere. You see, students are entitled to make an appointment to review their grades after publishing. 
and before the grades are locked for the year. Basically, they sit with me, we go through their exam and reports, and their goal is to convince me to give them the extra points and hope that they pass the module. I knew the cheaters would come. After all, they think they fooled me once already, and they still have half the report's points to bargain for. So I just waited for their emails. Lo and behold, they write me the same day the grades go online saying how hard they've worked on their reports and that they don't understand how they only got 50% and that they wanted an appointment. I was ecstatic. Sure, let's review your grades. Do you remember that my exam was the last one? Well, they were already on vacations, some very far away and begged me for an online appointment. No can do, university policy. Moreover, you have three days to show for your appointment, otherwise the grades are locked. Also university policy. So here they come, cutting their vacations short and catching planes. Some spent hours in buses and trains to make it on time. I know what many of you are thinking. They come, I show them the plagiarism checker results and reveal that I know it's not their work and send them on their way. Well, I considered it, but I had something better in mind. Those appointments usually take 10 minutes. I show them their work with my notes on what's wrong and right, and they try to find some inconsistencies in my grading and bargain for more points. I ain't giving you the opportunity. (laughs) So one by one, they sit with me individually, and I go through their exams and reports. Remember that they copied the reports and copied bad ones with lots of errors? I ask questions, lots of them. Why did you do this? What's your reasoning for this? They don't know, it's not their work. They mumble random stuff because they don't know what to answer. Point by point, mistake by mistake. I explain why it was wrong, how it should be done, lecturing the same material that they'd already been lectured on during class. I make it long, I make it boring, I make it painful. I spent hours with each one of them throughout those three days. They always came with the same, I worked so hard on this, and a little smirk on their face because they thought it should be really easy to fool me. The gullible foreign again. As the hours go by and I'm walking through the errors one by one, I could see their expression change. Little by little, their hopes of passing being slowly crushed. And when they realized that I knew they cheated and I wasn't going to give up any extra points, At this point, they try to cut short their appointment and leave. I wouldn't let them. We need to finish the review of your grades. It's university policy. And I just kept going, extending their misery for one more hour or two. It was legal torture, plain and simple. It was glorious. At the end, every single one of them left with a crushed soul look in their eyes and a fail in my class. They knew that I caught them that I baited them and they fell for it. They ruined their vacation and their family vacations, spent money to travel back and forth, wasted precious summertime, got bored to death and have nothing to show for it. And next year, they'll have to repeat the module with me. I hope you enjoy your summer. See you next year. I can't lie, if I was in a crunch or I didn't know the stuff, I probably would try to do the same thing. So in a way I kind of feel for them, but they were just blatantly plagiarizing bad sources. Also hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below. That said, our next story is, client tried to screw me by locking me out of my own system. 
I've worked as an independent contractor in the IT field for over 20 years, doing all manners of things from creating simple HTML sites to managing a big hotel's complete IT infrastructure. One of the many clients I had back in the day I was coding big-ish custom websites for was a rental company. Now, I'd heard a lot of warnings about not working with this guy that owned it. He had a reputation that he was as sharp as a tack, backstabbing and conniving. He was a lawyer after all, so I went into the partnership with that in mind. He wanted a new website for his renting gig where people would list their home for rent, renters would sign up and pay a subscription to the site and he would get the whole lot. Nothing out of the ordinary there. So we make a pretty good deal on paper, we sign it and I get started on the project. Coding everything in PHP goes well, but he demands suddenly that I show him progress only a week into the progress. He wants to see the website front now. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I tried explaining to him that the front end work isn't scheduled to start until after 6 weeks of back end programming and that I only had pure code to show right now. The contract we signed clearly states this. He then gets on his high horse and demands that I put everything on hold to do the front end first, design and then program. I being fairly young at the time and fairly naive agree to this without asking for it to be added to the contract as an addendum and start working on the design now. Now, the contract stated that I was given free reign of the design decisions as long as I maintained the same color scheme and used the same logo on the site. So I make a fast draft in Fireworks. This is back when it was a macro media product before the Adobe acquisition and within two days I show him. He's not impressed and demands a different direction and sets up a list of demands. I, as always, aim to please the customer and do just what he wants. I design a new layout with his list of demands, but he doesn't like that either. That's how the next three months go. A never-ending circle where he's never happy with anything. Now, close to four months into the project, he demands to see a working showcase of the back end. I point out that he himself changed the order in how the project was being done and had demanded that I do the front end design first instead of the back end, as stated in the contract, which he now turns on me and says, yes, the contract we both signed says you'll have a working back end to show me at the end of the month. If you don't honor that, I'll have to take my business elsewhere and seek compensation for your lack of professionalism. Okay. I now have 12 days to do a back end for the site, so I get a friend to help me and we work tirelessly through a weekend and I have a good base to work from in 9 days. Mind you, at this point he's only paid the security on the contract, about 5% of the total price, and has shielded himself from paying by hiding behind, well if you can't honor the contract, why should I? Finish so and so work and I'll pay as per the contract. Remembering now all the warnings I'd heard about this guy, I decide to add a special function to the code just to be safe. More on that later. So now it's the end of the month. We have a front end design he's okay with, a back end that's been finished to about 85% of what's required according to the contract, and I still have one month left to finish everything else. Time for show and tell. Since I was working on this development, I was running it on my own dev server and showed him this in a browser on his computer. 
I mentioned to him that since I only had 512 kilobits upstream from the server, it might lag a little, but it wouldn't when it would be put on the productional server he has his website on at his hosting company. He says that's okay and the demonstration goes on. As I'm showing him the site, both front end and back end, I can see he's immensely happy with it, although he would never say so out loud. He's trying to hide his smile that pops up regularly and his eyes gleam with all the added ways he can now start making money from. Anyway, he now says that it's way too slow. This is wrong, that is wrong, blah blah blah. The client says, I want you to put it up on my production server and see how the speed is. I say okay, no problem, I can make that happen. Please pay 50% of the contract and I'll get right on it, okay? I wait a few days and then I get an email from him where he includes a forwarded message from the bank detailing a transaction from him to me to the amount of 50% that I asked for. So I push the system to his production server so he can take a look at it under beta.hisdomain.tld. I then send him an email stating that he can try the system with the supplied credentials. What he doesn't know is that I knew he'd been fishing around for another programmer to do this project to pick up from a lazy deadbeat who couldn't do anything right. So I knew he would most likely try to screw me. What I also suspected was that the email he sent me with the transaction proof was a fake, which it ended up being. Bro Revenge 1, remember that small function I mentioned? Well, what it did was if user X, his user, tried to remove user Y, my admin, from the system without one setting being changed in the config first, the system will first delete and purge the database and then remove all the documents in the web route. Well, not five minutes after he reads the email from me, he does just that. He tries to delete my admin user from the system to lock me out. Guess who has nothing of the project left? He does. Pro Revenge 2, since it's considered forgery to spoof an email, especially from a bank, I sent the information to the authorities and he goes under investigation by both the police and the bank lawyers. Pro Revenge 3, I sold the system to a competitor of his for a better price than originally contracted to him. And last I knew, he was now blacklisted from owning a company as well as he lost his right to work as a lawyer. I only got that 5% he paid at the beginning, and for working for just over 5 months on this project, that's hardly anything. But the knowledge of his demise will keep my heart warm for the rest of my life. You would think that a lawyer would be smart enough to know that you don't try to fake a bank transaction like that, but hey, I guess they really just were desperate to try to get away with it. This next story is, employees' lunches are their personal property, and the company is not responsible for lost or stolen personal items. Nobody likes a lunch thief, and I had one of the most aggressive at my office. There were rumors for a few months leading up to the inciting incident of someone going around and taking people's lunches. Just about every day, someone different would complain that their lunch was missing. It even happened to me once or twice, but... I figured, hey, it's a big office, a few people are probably just careless and grab the wrong lunch and are too embarrassed to bring it back or someone else packs their lunch and they don't know what's in there, so it's not obvious they have the wrong one or whatever. Most people just brought brown bags with their names on it anyways or 
identical Rubbermaid Tupperware with a little piece of labeled tape on the side. It was easy enough to mix it up. I'd accidentally grabbed a wrong lunch once or twice, but I'd noticed it before I got it open. I thought I was just more careful or even just as not busy as some other people in the building. However, other people weren't as forgiving, and a quorum made complaints to HR. They were blown off. Personally, at the time, I thought it was all much ado about nothing. But then it began. My wife enrolled in a French cooking class online, and just about every day I was bringing fancy gourmet leftovers in for lunch. You would think I was picking up a to-go bag from a Michelin-starred bistro on the way in each morning. She really threw herself into the coursework. There were no problems. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. For about two weeks, maybe three, until one day my lunch went missing. Considering what delicacies I had to look forward to, I was pretty miffed. But I did a once-over around the break room and didn't see anyone eating my lunch, so I figured someone had grabbed my bag by accident earlier, saw how good things looked and, realizing it was their lucky day, didn't bring it back to the fridge. I wrote the mysterious stranger off as a jerk, but accepted the loss and looked forward to dinner that night instead. Next day, I write my name on my lunch in extra bold lettering jam the bag into the back of the fridge and feel peace of mind i get there come break time nope it's gone i was pretty upset but i figured it was a stroke of bad luck and left it at that what else could i do however third day out of an abundance of caution i kept my lunch at my desk a pain because i had to eat it fairly early in the day to avoid spoilage but at least i'd know where it was i got up to take care of some business down the hall and when i came back Yep, my lunch was gone. Unfortunately, that didn't help me narrow it down much at all, because my desk is centrally located, so everyone's constantly passing by. At that point, there was no possibility of the theft being arbitrary, so I approached HR and filed a complaint. Their response, practically verbatim, was, Employees' lunches are their personal property, and the company is not responsible for lost or stolen personal items. The following day, my wife packed a cream-based soup that really had to be refrigerated. I was passing by the break room to check on my lunch practically every five minutes. Somehow, it still managed to disappear. I was irate at this point and returned to HR and really blew my top. The best they could do was send a memo around about remembering to check the name on your lunch when you remove it from the fridge. 
but they made it very clear that it was a routine memo and no way related to my complaints, which were not their jurisdiction, so not an admission of responsibility, because my lunch was my own personal problem. The only suitable alternative to packing a lunch available in the building are these wretched shrink-wrapped ham and cheese sandwiches from a vending machine. They've been marinating in the heat for God knows how long, and the bread is as stale as cork board, and the meat is rancid and there's gluey mayo smushed into the center. It's a relic of the old office tenants, I'm pretty sure. I vented daily to my wife, but her only idea was to start bringing a regular sandwich and apple again to dissuade the thief and get him to move on to other lunches. So, determined to prevent this low-life scum from downgrading the quality of my lunch, I hatched an elaborate plan. Then the pandemic hit and I forgot about this whole saga. I worked remotely for months and months, then we returned, and after all that had happened globally, this was the last thing on my mind. But I got to the break room the first day back, frustrated from having to wear a button-up and tie after months of working in pajamas sore from my desk chair and exhausted from small talk, only to find my lunch was gone. This was a particularly sore point because my wife and I divorced between my last lunch and work and the present one, so I didn't appreciate being reminded of any past threads involving her. I pretty much flew into a blind rage at that point, especially seeing that stupid worthless memo about checking the lunch bag names posted in the break room. Feeling so helpless and so hungry and so alone as it was me and my lunch against the world. I stormed out and was determined to return the next day with a plan. So I came in the following day with an empty lunch bag and I checked closely to be sure no one was watching and I switched the contents of the HR person's lunch bag into my bag, so now their lunch appeared to be my lunch. They had packed a regular brown bag, so I just discarded that, and I left, and I waited. I knew this was a pretty big gamble because it was contingent on the theory that the thief was avoiding me while having lunch, but not wary of anyone else, so they would eat it out in the open if there was no risk of bumping into me. So I made a big show of going around the office, announcing that I was headed out for a meeting and I wouldn't be back till at least 3pm. I even went to the trouble of moving my car out of the lot to a space two streets over, where I then sat in my car and worked remotely for several hours before sneaking into the building up the back stairway. I then sat in the stairwell just outside the break room, where you can hear chatter but can't be seen. And after about 20 to 30 minutes of waiting, I heard it. The sweetest sound I'll ever hear in the office. HR saying, What the heck, Kyle? That's my lunch. The lunch thief says, Nah, it's not your name on the bag. HR says, Give me that. I'm assuming grabs the bag and sees my name. They say, Yeah, let's head to my office for a chat. The HR rep later called me in as well and said they were aware of my break room hijinks but it was obvious that the point still came across loud and clear. They warned me that it was a violation of policy to move another employee's lunch. It took every ounce of self-control for me to keep from retorting, I thought our lunches were our personal property and the company wasn't responsible for them being lost or stolen. They informed me that they'd located the thief and things would be handled accordingly. 
But better than whatever write-up they might be able to issue Kyle, his reveal as the lunch thief occurred in front of the whole break room. So word quickly spread as to who'd been stealing everyone's lunches earlier last year, and he is now the office pariah. He was in line for a promotion. The promotion is indefinitely off the table. And I also earned brownie points for exposing him, though more than I'm satisfied with are being attributed to HR. At the end of the day though, I didn't do this for the credit. Or even the sweet, sweet, sweet revenge. I did it to get my lunches back. I don't blame OP one bit cause imagine you have a rough day, you know you just got some awesome lunch, and some jerk just keeps taking it. It's like the one good thing you had going for you. This next story is, don't want to return my tools or pay me? Enjoy losing your business? I'm a trade painter that worked for around 5 years, essentially running a company for an owner who took a very hands off approach. He was essentially a name and working capital and not much else. After getting an offer to work for a bigger commercial company, and my old boss's realization he'd have to run his own company as there really wasn't anyone else in-house that was qualified, he resorted to acting like a child to try and make me stay. Made me run around the world to receive my final pay, which I never even got and refused to return my tools spread throughout various jobs. Revenge time. As luck would have it, another even better offer from an even bigger company ended up in my lap that wanted to subcontract me a very substantial amount of their work. But I'm going to need more employees for that. Hmm. So I go through and call each and every member of the original company and offer them a $3 an hour raise to work for me, which all of them accepted. After all, they know me, they've worked for me for years, and it's more money, no brainer. They barely know the owner and what they do know, they don't like. I then ask them to grab only my tools, which the vast majority of tools on all the jobs were, from their respective jobs when they leave for the weekend on Friday. Monday rolls around and my old boss is getting calls left and right from supervisors asking why nobody's at work and what's going on. He was so hands off, he didn't even have employees phone numbers to call and ask them. He's essentially without employees and little to no tools to complete any jobs at this point. Fast forward 6 months and his company's now closed, he's lost all his work, his new addition to his house has come to a grinding halt halfway through construction, he's hurting big time. I never got my last check, but I did get a great group of workers and a company of my own, so I guess I'll just call it even. On one hand, it's definitely easy to be frustrated you didn't get that last paycheck. But on the other hand, it's easy to not be when you got so much reward from it. Our next story is, fiance left me due to my cancer diagnosis. I left her destitute. This has been 4 years ago, so the sting is gone and my revenge has been had. We dated for 4 years and had what I thought was a great relationship. We were both well established professionals who both owned homes in the same neighborhood and both with daughters in the home. Her daughter was 11, and mine was 16 when we met. We'd actually planned to get married, build a house, and raise the two together. We planned the house build because she'd recently been diagnosed with a neurological disease that would eventually put her in a wheelchair, and needed something ADA friendly. During the planning stages, I began doing landscape and construction projects on her home to increase the resale value. 
all in, I invested roughly $30,000 USD into the home, running everything through my side construction business for tax, permitting, and resale purposes. We had a contract that payment would be made upon the sale of the home. I produced invoices for each and every project, but never pushed for payment because of the prior agreement. Fast forward six months, we're looking at property to develop and finalizing drawings in the home, when I began feeling ill. I couldn't eat, constantly vomiting and passing blood. I began noticing that my abdomen looked swollen, which was odd because we were both very clean eaters and were in the gym every day. So I went to the doctor and began having tests done. During this time, she began having small cognitive issues and the stress of her current position was exacerbating her condition. So she took a $20,000 per annum cut in pay along with a lesser position inside the company. After a month or so of different tests and a biopsy, it came back that I had a golf ball sized tumor in my stomach and would need to begin chemotherapy. So I began chemo and radiation treatments, which made me expectedly so extremely ill. She was spending time helping around my place on the weekends and staying over more, to the point that they were both at my home more than theirs. At this point, I suggested that we go ahead and put one of our houses on the market and move in together until the new house was built. I have great supplemental insurance, as well as a long-term illness plan, so using that coupled with the sale of one of our houses would push us through comfortably and help ease the financial stress on her. Shortly after this discussion, she became extremely distant. Her daughter wasn't coming down and hanging out with mine anymore. She had excuses for not getting together. She quit driving me to treatments and stopped staying over. She then dropped a bomb, a sentence that will forever be burned into my psyche. I love you, but I can't see myself taking care of someone this sick in the long term, and I don't think we should see each other any longer. In a text. It broke me, I won't lie. This was the first woman I'd ever opened up to and planned a life with since my wife died when my children were one and three. However, I tried to be mature about it. I forced myself to understand her position and to accept what I could not change. I calmly the next day gathered all of her things, packed them neatly, loaded them in my truck, and took them to her house to leave on the back porch while she was at work in order to avoid any awkward exchanges. Walking around the back and under the porch cover, I sat down a box and saw her in her back living room on the couch hooking up with a man that she had introduced to me as a lifelong friend. I had dinner and drinks with this man and his girlfriend. We'd gone on vacation with them as well. I never spoke of the incident with her and simply sent her a text later explaining that I would leave her things on my side porch to pick up at her convenience. I discovered eight or nine months later from his now ex-girlfriend that they had broken up due to him confessing that he'd been sleeping with my significant other, dating back to about the time we were finishing drawings on the new home. Now I'm pissed. Revenge time. At this point I finished chemo and radiation for the time being and was feeling healthier. I was going through some much neglected paperwork when I ran across the file that contained $32,680 in unpaid, long overdue invoices, which were promptly sent to my attorney to begin lien proceedings on the home. It turns out that I couldn't have done this a moment too soon because she was set to put her house on the market. 
Coupled with interest over the course of what was then 19 months overdue, the invoices were hefty. That, along with the agreement of settling them when the house was sold and attorney fees, left her with roughly $10,000 after the sale of the home and settling her current mortgage. She promptly had to back out of the purchase of another home and moved in with her oldest daughter, sister-in-law, and two grandchildren. She also had to leave her job and begin receiving disability. I ran into her a little over a year ago, and she looked as if she had aged 20 years and was in the wheelchair we had talked about. We chatted cordially, but briefly, and I excused myself and went on with my day. A few days later, her younger daughter called me and spoke of my running into her mom, and could we hang out sometime? I gave a vague answer, thanked her for calling, and again went on with my day. The ex called me a week or so later and began apologizing for leaving me as she did. Again, cordial but short. I thanked her for calling and hung up. She began texting and this went on for several weeks until one, she asked if I could ever see us rekindling what we had. To which I replied, I can't see myself taking care of someone so sick in the long term. Remember the box on your back porch? Did you think that lifelong friend brought that over to you from my house? Good luck to you. Goodbye. I sometimes feel guilt over this, but not much and not often. I mean, it sucks to think about somebody in her position being alone, but they treated OP awful, left them when things got tough, and not to mention had already been cheating on OP for a while. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.